On today's show, our special guest is Lisa Andrews from the Foundry Vineyards. As always, we've got you covered on future openings like a new Eduardo Jordan spot and a new Chaco Canyon location, plus a number of closures, always so sad. Wine dinners, fundraisers, fall release weekend in Walla Walla. It's all coming up on the Seattle Dining Show. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... See you, Dad Grill in Georgetown, where the focus is on charcoal-grilled meats and vegetables influenced by flavors from around the world. Find out more at seeyoudadseattle.com. Hello, this is Duke Mosgrave from Duke's Chowder House, and welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the November 2018 Seattle Dining Show, number 1811. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here to welcome Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining. Well, thank you for that beautiful welcome. Yes, you know, you're here every every month, but I'm just, it's nice to say that you're, I'm happy you're here. Of course, there would be no show without you, but still. Well, I have lots of news today. Excellent. You remember a couple months ago when uh, Seattle City Council wanted to ban plastic straws oh, and yes. they were showing the pictures of the turtles yes, was... with the plastic straws in their nose? Yes. Well, now the pictures are starting to surface on the internet of the turtles with the compostable straws in their nose. So, so you know, what you're saying is it's a turtle problem? They do not know how to use straws? Maybe people need to learn how to dispose of straws properly. Yeah, it's not really know. what it's made of. It's uh, idiocy on the human's part. Now, um, I have some other important news as well. Oh, excellent. Uh, I'd like to read <laughs> to you from the, from the news media. Uh, McDonald's... <laughs> Was once the only on November first, McDonald's is debuting new triple breakfast stacks. Basically, just further stacked versions of their existing breakfast McMuffin, McGriddle, and don't forget that also includes the buttery uh, muffin things. The biscuits. Yeah, the biscuits. So uh, what it is is uh, it'll be like the sandwich you normally get, only this time it has. Two sausage uh, disc in it, two pieces of cheese, and bacon on top. One piece or two? Uh, Well, two pieces. Oh, yeah. That's how they do the Canadian bacon now. I don't know. It could be strips. It could be a disc. But either way. And, uh, And then, of course, an egg. Yeah. So I think you'll be getting your protein, your daily protein amount. And you'll probably be getting about three weeks worth of triglycerides out of that. You know, when I'm really, really hungry, and we, we do McDonald's sometimes we're, when we're on a road trip. We're, we're heading out early, and we want to get on the road so we don't make breakfast, and we stop and get a thing. If I'm really hungry at one of those times, there, there have been times I've thought to myself, I wish the sausage McMuffin, because that's all I get. I don't get the egg and everything, was just a little bit bigger. I, I was not thinking in my mind, let's triple this baby. You know, if people didn't eat so much in the first place, they wouldn't get hungry where they where they would desire this gigantic yeah. explosion of 
bad cholesterol yeah. that, that they're going to get now. They're getting it. They asked for it. Apparently, according to McDonald's, now I've never seen anybody <laughs> doing this when I go to the restaurant. No, I've never. But this, uh, this came out of the fact that there are what they call menu hackers who go in and order multiple breakfast sandwiches and build their own versions of these anyways. Oh, yes, it's so common. Yeah. Haven't you seen that seen before? It. You know, I was mentioning this to you the other day that um, at one time I worked in an office and I, I was working around some young men, you know, 18 to 22 kind of. Boys can eat, but they never, I never saw any of them go someplace and order a ton of stuff and mix and match and pick it apart. They ate it all. They yeah. just guzzled it all down. Exactly. I don't know what that's about. So uh, so this is only going to be available from November into December, oh, and then trial. it'll be gone. I have some other McDonald's news that's important to know, too, okay. is that the McRib is coming back in November. I did see an ad for that. Yeah, but the only way that you can find the McRib is you have to download the locator app from the McDonald's website. That's what we all need, one more, more app. app. Two pieces of sausages, two pieces of cheese. Keep, our, keep giving it to me, baby. I'm just saying, our phones are getting fat, and we're getting fat. I <sighs> don't know. And, you know, I read, too, I read uh, either that article or a similar article about the triple breakfast sandwiches, and they were saying that McDonald's been kind of losing on the breakfast wars, and so they need to get back in the game. And I'm like, I, on on a rare occasion, like, once I think I ate a breakfast at Burger King or Jack in the Box or something, and Ooh, I've never gone the back. They're the worst. You know, so I'm not sure who they're losing market share to. Uh, probably losing market share to all the people who are smart enough not to eat breakfast a couple of days a week and do a 16-hour yeah. fast well, and clear all this garbage out of their system. Yeah, And also, I think you mentioned sometimes even though the food's not great at Starbucks always, people are going out and getting their coffee every morning. And if they can make one stop and get something there and get their coffee and a breakfast sandwich or a muffin or something, then they don't stop at McDonald's also. So maybe it's one of those things where it's a convenience thing as opposed to, you know, and uh, any, anyone who loves McDonald's will be saying, but McCafe. I'm, I'm one of those strange people who actually finds the coffee at McDonald's completely acceptable and don't yeah. need to spend $4 for a cup of coffee. Yeah. You are a rarity in, in the Northwest, <laughs> or at least on the west side of the Northwest. And I'm also one of those people who doesn't need to have a cup of coffee every day. Yeah. I don't mind having one on the days I have it, but I don't wake up and, and think, geez, I'm not going to be a person until yeah. I have a cup of coffee today. Have you seen those ads for Dunkin' Donut coffee? Where the little kid, it's an adorable ad, but the little kids are like, yeah, my daddy's so funny, he gets up and rocks into a wall till he has his Dunkin' coffee. It's like, well, that is so sad. How much did your daddy drink last night? Well, they probably uh, screwed themselves by putting the Dunkin' Donuts coffee into Kerrig cups now. So now oh. you don't need to go get a donut to get the coffee. Oh, well. But if you're you know, committed to Dunkin' Donuts Dunkin', sort of like Krispy Kreme, I guess you just make your peace with it. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Stay tuned for our Eat Clean Organic show coming <laughs> in just a few minutes on the Seattle Dining Show. Speaking um, of eating different kinds of things, one of the, the discussions we wanted to have today was about some new cookbooks that yeah, have come out. Yeah, we had a couple out. of new cookbooks, so we thought we'd do a little review yeah. on them. You want to go first? Yeah. Okay. Um, what I was looking at here is the seriously good, and that's on the 
page of you know the cover of the book. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. Seriously good freezer meals, 150 recipe, recipes to save time, money, and sanity. This is a woman who lives in eastern Washington, Carrie Truman, and she has a um, website called Happy Money Saver. So she's all about – she's got four kids and a husband, so she's all about putting your effort into – making these meals, freezing them, and then getting back time with your family that you're not standing in the kitchen cooking, you know, at oh, dinner time. Yeah, I can so understand that. I, I get that. I think that's a good idea. Um, her idea is to save money and time but still make healthy and tasty meals. Now, I'm looking through this, and there's no mention of organic or grass-fed uh-huh. or, you know, local or sustainable. So um, in terms of healthy, the thing is, like every other recipe that we kind of like to play with – we just make it that way. You know, if it says sirloin, we get grass-fed sirloin. You know, it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, you just make it what you make it. She's also got vegetarian, vegan, and gluten-free options in here, which is nice. And she does a, a nice intro on, um, you know, why it's a good idea to do it, some, some tips on how to get started, what you'll need in terms of something to freeze. She talks about the need for getting the air out because that's what is going to cause freezer burn and not taste good. So she's clearly a professional at this. And what you put it in, you know. um, She's talking glass. My experience with the Ziploc freezer bags is they're kind of stinky after. She's talking glass. Yeah. Things that you put something I think glass is the only way to go. She also has beginner, intermediate, and advanced programs to show you how to cook 7 to 50 meals in a day. Now you mm-hmm. and I would not go through fifty freezer meals in a year, probably. So no, that sounds like uh, like Corey Cameron, though, where she's kind of yeah. doing it as a side business. To I think it's actually her, her regular business yeah, now. I think so, and because she does private chef stuff, she too. does it for families and yeah. and her family, of course. Yeah. And her her family is up to four. Oh wow! Hopefully they'll make sure it doesn't go to five. <laughs> four kids and a husband, or just five kids. <laughs> So, um, but you know, the interesting thing to me is, and she makes a point of this in the book, that um, for people, certainly in my age group, and I'm just not even going to go there, so don't ask. Um, freezer meals don't seem appealing, and she's saying, you know, you can do it right now, and you don't have to only do, you know, these things that used to get frozen. So some of her recipes are like rosemary, brown sugar, pork chops, and I did look at this; it's a half cup sugar. And it serves six people. So it's not like tons Ooh. of sugar. Peanut perfection pad thai, Asian chicken lettuce wraps, chicken pot pie. That's kind of an old traditional. She's got soup, stews, and chilies. She had an almond lemon poppy seed muffin that looked pretty good. I think you could alter that one and make something great. Mm-hmm. She's got buttery cinnamon French toast bake, so you can do breakfasts. She's, she has It's a beautiful picture, too, of an island coconut angel cake. Hmm. So, you know, she's got all over the spectrum of what you'd want to eat. So, uh, you know, if you've got a really busy life and you're getting home at 6 and the last thing you want to do is think, oh, my God, what are we going to have for dinner? And, you know, how am I going to make it? How quick? And, you know, her point, which I think everybody has fallen into at one time or another, is that you get busy and then pretty soon you're eating fast food. Yep. So it's a way to avoid that. So I have to applaud. Yeah. It's definitely worth a look. You can look at it online at Amazon.com, or you mm-hmm. can go into the uh, Fremont neighborhood, the little, what's that little bookstore um, with all the cookbooks? The book larder. Book larder, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Or um, go check her 
probably find it there because she's local. Yeah, and then go look at uh, happymoneysaver.com. You never know. Ah. Well, I got a book. Um, it's called uh, Hot for Food, Vegan Comfort Classics, 101 Recipes, uh, written by Lauren Toyota, a food blogger. Hmm. I didn't know vegan was really traditional. How long is vegan? <laughs> I mean, I suppose somebody's always been vegan, but it, you don't haven't heard about it, you know, 40 years ago. I never did anyway. No, I didn't. And I was a hippie growing up, so, you yeah. know. Um, anyways, um, she is a food blogger, so she, you know, take it for, for what you will. There's lots of food bloggers who put out cookbooks. I'm not always key on them, but I think it's important that even if you enjoy beef, chicken, Mm -hmm. fish, all that stuff, it's important to own at least one vegan cookbook. I'm not saying this is the one, but, uh, it's good to have one because you might learn some tricks. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's you know like we we went around and around on the bruschetta thing and yeah. and uh, finally just came up with our own recipe, but um, I don't know there oh there was no bruschetta recipe in this cookbook either that was odd you know I don't know why that is like the mystery recipe thing maybe because it is so easy people don't actually try and mess with it too much it's tomatoes and basil and olive oil mm-hmm. so maybe it's you know it's quite good yeah. Uh, so, anyways, uh, author Lauren Toyota uh, starts a book off with a discussion about her transition uh, to vegan eating, oh. uh, describing the stomach pains she used to get from dairy and meat. Mm. Uh, there's no mention of her ever attempting to go organic in her eating. Mm. She just uh, just got off the freeway right then and went over to the vegan mm-hmm. avenue. Um, <laughs> One thing that I think should be in a vegan cookbook that's worth its salt, shall we say, (laughs) is uh, nutrition information since we know that vegans don't get uh, any of the the healthy omega-3 that you get in the fish or or Mm -hmm. the beef. Uh, They don't get B12. And so um, being that she's not actually cooking organic here – I was kind of interested to see what some of the nutrition facts were, how much salt was landing in the food, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and she's obviously not giving up on the flavor of meat because she kicks the book off with a section about bacon. Oh. And so she's got all these tricks for making your food taste like bacon. And you know what? You can buy organic bacon at the store now. Yeah. And I guess, you know, if you've been vegan forever, like maybe you grew up in a vegan family or something, I would almost be feeling condescended to that I had to go out and have stuff that tasted, tasted like, like a bacon. It's like if we're vegan, we we don't want it. You know, yeah. give us just regular food. Just give me something that tastes like bruschetta. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a carnivore and I just want something that tastes like bruschetta. Well, bruschetta is, well, I don't know if it's vegan, but it's vegetarian. Well, I think it can make it vegan. Yeah. I think so. Um, All right. So also, we, we've been eating out. Or, or you got something I was, else I was, to say? I was just going to mention that um, it'll be off when the new November issue comes out, which is usually the second week of the month. But we also have the, a book review of the PCC cookbook online right now. So there's another one for you to check out. Oh, and it, you just put it up last month, right? It's been up all October. So it'll go no, off. Just in roll it again. Just keep it up. Oh, just okay. put it down at the bottom. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
So there you have it. See, she's we're not going to let you down. She told you about the PCC cookbook, and now you can read yeah. Connie's review, now even got, if you didn't see it in October. Yeah, you've got more than two weeks to look at it. All right. All right. So where have you been eating? Well, I think it's funny. You know, September, uh, August, well, summer for us is a busy, busy time. And then when September kind of rolls around and cooking with class, my fundraiser is over, we sort of let down. And it's funny, the three places I wanted to talk about, one's on Queen Anne, one's in San Francisco, and one's in Las Vegas. So you can tell that I've let down and taken a little time for myself. Uh, the Queen Anne, I had dinner the other night uh, at the Taylor Shellfish fish mm-hmm. bar, which I have walked by, stuck my head in, looked at the menu. You know, I just haven't ever eaten at one of them. There's several. And I was really impressed. Oh, First yeah, of all, I'm not a huge oyster fan, and I was thinking my choices might be kind of limited. They had a really good house salad that was mostly arugula, had cranberries and almonds. Um, it was delicious. had manchego strips over the top. It was excellent. And mm. then um, we had the oyster dip that comes with house-made kettle kind of uh, potato chips. And then um, we split the uh, steamed clams and mussels. They have steamed clams and steamed mussels. And we said, could we just get a mix? And they said, of course. So we had that, and they have. you can either do it in a classic shallot butter or you can have it with pesto arugula. We went with the classic. Mm-hmm. But everything was so fresh, so delicious. They had great cocktails. Um, so I was just really happy with it and pleased. They seemed to be doing well. It was a Monday night, and the place was packed out. Hmm. So that was good. And then I was in San Francisco with a couple of friends, and we had heard about a place um, from Lindsay and Amy Park at Provisions in Yakima. Mm-hmm. They had told me about this place they'd eaten in San Francisco, and it's in the ferry building, so right down there on the water, uh, called Slanted Door. So the three of us went there, not Amy and Lindsay and I, but uh, my friends and I, and it was really delicious, and it was an interesting mix of things. They had some kind of dim sum items, like uh, the um, shrimp in a, pa- uh, a wrapper with sesame seeds on top, but they were huge. There was four of them. You know, it's a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, they had some really amazing ribs with like an Asian uh, mm. flavor to them. Like short ribs? Uh, yeah, I guess just no, they were pork ribs. Guys? They were pork ribs. Pork ribs, yeah. okay. So, and, and so we were just pretty much eating off, uh, well, I think they both got uh, the tenderloin filet dinner. Uh, I had two appetizers and I was more than, uh, I was almost too full. Mm-hmm. But um, really fun. It's a very big place. Of course, it's loud. But it's a very cool place and the food was just excellent. Hmm. So uh, fast forward another couple weeks and we're in Las Vegas and... Uh, they have a Shake Shack that's open. At the time, the Seattle one hadn't opened, and they were talking about, oh, the lines are going to be so ho- uh, so long. I was like, I'm not going to go stand in line. <laughs> it's like in the line for Krispy Kreme donuts back in 2000. It's one know? of those things I can't understand. But anyway, I thought it was good, but it's an old-fashioned burger. There was uh, grease going on, and I don't know if it was because they gave me a dirty tray to put it in that hadn't been cleaned off or if it was mm. running down my hand, but mm. a little greasy. Uh, the flavor was really good. I had the crinkle fries, which were nice. They were crisp on the outside and soft, you know, on the inside. So that was nice. And uh, I had my own bottle of water, so I was just really breaking the bank on that. Um, so it was fine. I, I I have no need to go back. I would like to go back because they are they're known for their custard too. 
So I kind of want to see what that's about. But um, in terms of ever standing in line, no. And uh, just in general, it was fine. But you know what? I would go to what's Josh Henderson's or that he just sold, Great State Burger. Uh-huh. You know? Uh, same kind of thing. Old-fashioned. And, and at least Great State is um, grass-fed. Yeah. So that's, yeah. My, that's my opinion on that. Yeah, I don't think I need to worry about getting to Shake Shack anytime soon. So. Where I, have I, you and been? then I have to go to Cheesecake Factory after that. Oh yeah, and isn't well, there's a new one opening someplace? So I knew you were going to be in line for that. Oh, you know, it just really killed me when Marie Callender's left Northgate. That just really oh, took my that took, took everything out of me. I'm not sure I ever told you that story, but my mom and I were at the Cheesecake Factory. I'm not the Cheesecake, but at Marie Callender's one time, and somebody came in and. Uh, Shut the place down. Yeah, shut it down. So shut that it was down. kind of frightening when That's you're sitting there eating food. But Well, let me see here. I took a little uh, trip up on Vancouver Island. That's right. And let me tell you, if you go outside of Victoria, you don't have a lot of good food options. But I dug and dug and dug and dug. Um, and on my way to Port Brunfro one day, I found the best little almond pastry at the cutest little Restaurant on the side of the road called Shirley Delicious. Like S-U-R-E or Shirley? Like S-H-I-R-L-E-Y. Okay, so it's somebody's name. Yeah. So uh, I highly recommend if you ever do go to Vancouver Island that you check out Shirley Delicious. They have sandwiches and breakfast goodies. Are they just a breakfast lunch thing? I think they're just breakfast and lunch. Yeah. But cute little place, really good pastry. Hmm. Uh, let's see, uh, we took a, a group of friends down to Razzie's in Greenwood, and that's probably the last time I'll ever be eating at Razzie's. Yeah, that was a little Very disappointing, disappointing for me. Um, the chicken parmesan, uh, you need a chainsaw to get through the chicken. It was so, it's probably cooked up to about 200 degrees. Oh. Um, just pathetic. You and, know, it was uh, a Friday night, and, and my first... It was, a, it was a Saturday night. Oh, Saturday night. My first... Inclination is to give people a break, like, hey, it was Saturday, it was probably busy, and it's like, you know what? They should be <laughs> That's experts the night at you it. Need to shine. Yes, you yeah, know it's yeah. going to be busy. You have three or four uh, private rooms. You know it's going to be busy. So why would you not have your yeah, best yeah. thing going? I don't know. It was disappointing. It's a it's a locally family owned thing, and I I like that to succeed. And then uh, we just had Thai food over at. Uh, how do you say it? Marai? Marla, Marla. Is, it or Mar, is it L-A-I? I think it's Marlai. Yeah, look M-A-R-L-A-I in, uh, what do you call that neighborhood? Sandpoint. Sandpoint. And uh, uh, we hadn't been there in about 15 years. Yeah. But they're still there, and, uh, and it was okay. It was all right. The curry, mm-hmm. I had a green curry, had a three-star. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they highly recommended I get it with these certain noodles, and the noodles came, and they were all white right out of the water and, and not... It was kind of odd. They were salmon noodles, and it, it they could not have been more plain. But the food was, you know, the chicken and the mushrooms yeah. and all that was good. The curry was good. And then you had a, had a, a, a lot, chicken dish. The ladna, which ladna. is one of my favorite things because they take those wide rice noodles and pan fry them, and that's where you get that caramelization. And Yeah, and so, I took a couple of your, of your rice noodles and put them on my fork and dipped them in my curry, yeah. and that was quite good. Yeah. I would have liked it with brown, brown rice after all. Yeah. yeah, I could have done that, but I didn't. I, I, you know, they were so excited about you got to try it with these noodles. I'm like, okay, then okay. we're going to try it. It must be great, but it wasn't happening. Oh well. All right. 
Hey, let's take a little break, and uh, when we get back, we're going to have the latest, the latest <laughs> news bites. Excellent. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Ethan Stoll Restaurants. Fresh ingredients. Let's the food do the talking. From house-made pasta to ribeye for two. Find them at www.ethanstollrestaurants.com. Hi, I'm Julia. I live in West Seattle, and I just want to give a shout-out to La Rustica, one of my favorite Italian restaurants in West Seattle. Hi, I'm Roseanne Finkel. And I'm Charles Finkel. We're from the Pike Brewing Company. And you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. You're back with the Seattle Dining Show, Tom Marin and Connie Adams, and we are going to start taking a look at what's going on around town. You can always keep up with our News Bites as they happen by reading the News Bites column at seattledining.com and clicking on News Bites, surprisingly. How easy is that? I know we try to make it easy. Hey. All right. Well, the first uh, one we got here is some bakery news. A uh, new bakery up on Capitol Hill just opened at the end of October. It's called Cineholic. They offer cinnamon rolls. Imagine that. Yeah. I wonder if you can get booze with them. <laughs> uh, cinnamon rolls that are 100% vegan. They're free of dairy, lactose, eggs, and cholesterol. You can't say that about every cinnamon roll. Hmm. Well, if you use like some olive oil, wouldn't you, you'd get some good cholesterol. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go out there with my cholesterol test kit and check it out. <laughs> Um, also, new bakery. Uh, this is an old bakery, now a new bakery. Grand Central Bakery is uh, has opened in Wedgwood, and they have plans to open in Wallingford next spring. So you guys at Essential Baking, you better watch out. Watch your backs. Let's see. This is really not a food item because you can't eat these things. But the you 20th- shouldn't. It, they they frown on it as you walk by and look yeah. at them if you're snapping pieces off. But the 26th Annual Gingerbread Village opens November 20th and runs through January 1st. It's at the Sheraton Grand. It's always fun to go down and see. And, you know, you can throw a buck or two in, and it helps the Juvenile Diabetes Association. So. And then uh, if I go there on January 2nd when they're breaking it all down, can I eat some of them then? And then, you know, it would be so good for you because they don't put any preservatives on it to keep it, you know, up that long or anything. So you you go right ahead and do that. (laughs) I'm going to be waiting in the car with 911 dialed on my phone just waiting to hit. Well, in uh, late October, there's a little shuffling going on. Culinary director John Langley of the Dexter Brewhouse slash Magnuson Cafe and Brewery left to become the food and beverage manager at the Sound Hotel in Belltown. That's the 42, the new 42-story <laughs> building with apartments, hotel, restaurant, bar, and lounge. He's, that's a kind of a quick turnaround for him. He was working with Heavy Restaurant Group and left to do the Dexter Brewhouse thing. So hmm. must be a hard-to-pass-up opportunity. The Bang Bang Cafe will have a new location. It's taking over the Huarachitos Cocina Mexicana at 4219 South Othello Street. I do not know when that's opening, so just keep an eye out for that. 
Lots of closures going yeah. on. Just remember, while there's lots of closures, there's lots of new restaurants. Tons. Um, I believe it was the Seattle Times reported there was 14 closures and 60 new restaurants. So if people are complaining that they can't find cooks, maybe we've got a couple too many restaurants in town (laughs) right now. Exactly. It was the Times. So uh, Sport Restaurant has closed. They've been there 11, 12 years? 13, I think it was. 13. Lucky 13. Uh, St. Cloud's in Madrona has closed. That was a new owner one year ago, and now he's decided to bag it. Uh, The St. on Capitol Hill... Uh, has closed an independent pizzeria. We'll go into the space. By the pound bar justice. It's on, two things, by the pound and par, bar justice. Was that connected together? Yeah. The by the pound was a deli in front and the bar justice was in back. All right. So that, that closed in August, but bar justice 2.0 appears to be coming in November. All you East Siders. Not going to be able to get that good pastrami anymore because Goldberg's Deli and Factoria has closed. Uh, Tenteu on Capitol Hill closed. Barbarisa on Eastlake. I never even hit that spot. Uh, Frank Smoked Barbecue in Central District closed. Bengati on Beacon Hill. On Beacon Hill closed. Elysian Bar downtown is closed due to a new development. So their other places are open. Now, is that the place that was down in Soto? Yeah, but I I don't think that's considered their downtown one. It's something downtown, not that's... Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So lots of closures and uh, yeah. lots of new ones, too. Yeah. I'm and sure there's one in your neighborhood. Exactly. And then speaking of new things, Whole Foods has opened a new store, and this one's on Capitol Hill. I have nothing more to say about that. Oh. It's just a quick They're an okay source for good food. Yeah. We have a lot of good sources for good food in Seattle. If you like to cook clean like I do at home, you live in the right town. Yeah. We've got a lot of good choices. Central Market, Whole Foods, PCC. And I think, you know, at least as I've adapted to it, if I'm – Say, coming up here to do the show, then on the way home, I might stop at a store that I'm not actually that close to. Mm-hmm. You just kind of – and some things I can only get at one store, but then I can't get something else there. So I do kind of end up shopping a couple places, but, you know, I'm a foodie. I kind of like it. And I just want to uh, preface this next one by saying uh, we have discussed vegetarian and vegan quite a bit already, and we're only like 22 minutes into the show. <laughs> Uh, and it's not it's not that Connie and I are vegetarians or vegans. It's just there's quite a bit in the news today. So here's the latest Chaco Canyon. They have two locations already, uh, one over in the northeast area and one over in the Greenwood area. They're vegetarian. They're taking over the old Lloyd Martin spot on top of Queen Anne. Now, when you say northeast, it's actually West Seattle, so I'm thinking that's not northeast. Oh, you know what? I was confusing them with Sunlight Cafe. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So West Seattle, Greenwood, and now Queen Anne. Yeah. I, I have not seen any signs either. I don't know when that's opening, but they got their name on the window. I can't eat. They don't have any bruschetta. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Lucinda Grain Bar is the new place by Eduardo Jordan. That's opening right next to June Baby on 65th. It will be a cafe by day and bar by night, and he's going to focus on grain. 
grain spirits and grain foods, you know, roasted chicken with grain. and So it I, should be kind of interesting. Have you ever heard of anybody successfully opening up a restaurant by day and a place to drink at night? Well, you know there's going to be food there. I don't, I don't think uh, – it may have changed, but it used to be by Washington law you had to have a certain percentage of food oh, yeah. for – however much booze you uh, right. sold. I think that has relaxed, but I do believe you always have to have food. Hmm. And it's Eduardo. Can he do any wrong right now? No. I don't no. Think so. He should start he should start doing tamales somewhere next. <laughs> He's already got the James Beard. He doesn't know to fight those guys off. Moon Tree Asian Tapas and Sushi is coming to Uptown, Lower Queen Anne. Working on a space now we don't know when it's going to open. I believe it took over Roaring Bowl, which was one of those places where you could go in and sit down and you had a hot plate in front of you and they'd bring a bowl with all these. It was kind of healthy eating, there, you know, all this vegetables and stuff. And then you could order beef sliced up or something. And then you cook it. Was this your, a, like a Mongolian wok? It wasn't a wok. Um, it was a big bowl. And then you'd put it on. Over the heat source and cook was the your heat own source stuff. at your table? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I did it, and it was kind of fun, but you know that's too much work. And and you know if you're trying to talk with somebody and have lunch, it's like yeah. you know you're kind of sidetracked. So I'm actually surprised they lasted as long as they did. Hmm. Okay. What's next? Number Shake Shack. Oh boy, go stand in line. Right. Yeah. Number eleven. Ethan Stoll. Uh, put a Ballard Pizza in South Lake Union. Oh, he's put it up for sale. Yeah. He is keeping the other locations. Interesting. This is not a surprise. How many people, Josh Henderson among them, have left South Lake Union because there's no dinner business? Yeah. So yeah. that's his issue. Uh, anchovies and olives closed and reopened as Plenty of Clouds, operated by two Ethan Stoll restaurant alumni, Travis Post and Lisa Zack. Barcoto, still for sale. Yeah. More things going mm-hmm. on. The, the last one I wanted to bring up was from Tutabella, and it's just a nice thing. Um, it's the second year they've done this, but Seattle Restaurant Week is a lot of work for the restaurant staffs. You know, no matter what you do, it's it's a busy, busy time and you work hard. So since they don't really have something, a food menu that lends itself to doing Seattle Restaurant Week, uh-huh. they say that anybody who's in the business, if you can produce a food handler's permit, a business card, a mast permit. Could do that. Um, well, we shouldn't because we're not working that hard during Seattle Restaurant Week. Oh, uh, yes, I am. I'm recording the show right now. Oh, that's now. right. We are We are killing ourselves right now. Um, but anyway, you can come in for happy hour pricing off the happy hour menu all day, every day. So that's kind of nice. Through November 8th, um, any of their five locations, you can show your uh, proof Food that handler's you're the, card. Yeah, that you're in the industry and you get happy hour prices. Yeah, not your business card. You've got to show a food handler's it's, card. They'll take a business card. Oh, okay. A mast permit, a business card, or a food handler's permit. Okay. Yeah. Mm. All right, that's our news bites, and uh, we're going to take a little break here. And when we come back, we've got the calendar for November. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by 
Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today. This is Katie, and I live in Yakima. One of my favorite restaurants is Carousel Restaurant and Bistro in Yakima. Hi, this is Julie from Willamette Valley Vineyards in Salem, Oregon, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Back on the Seattle Dining Show, I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, the senior editor. In experience. Experience level is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the editor with the experience. Not a blogger, she's an editor. <laughs> and uh, we're going to get into the calendar here. We get new calendar items all the time. So, you know, we might tell you some stuff today, but there might be more when you go and check it out online. You can just uh, hit seattledining.com, click on the calendar link, and you'll be there. Exactly. And uh, so what do you got on the first one here? Well, the first one is that the fall release weekend in Walla Walla is coming up. It's uh, Friday, November 2nd through Sunday the 4th. Everybody's got stuff going on. Dusted Valley has live music, food by Andre's Kitchen, and their own fried, they say legendary, I've never had them, fried cheese curds. That's on Saturday. So everybody in Walla Walla is doing something. So. Now, is that is – that, are you saying if I go to Dusted Valley, Andre's truck is going to be up there? Yes. Or this is – okay. Food so this, that's just Dusted Valley alone. Yeah, you know? that's just Dusted Valley. And so all the wineries are doing stuff. It's a very fun fun time. Um, I think it's going to be probably pretty crowded, so just be aware that you're going to be, you know – Back in line to get up there and do the tasting and grab food, but yeah, arrive fun. early for your cheese curds. <laughs> I'm I'm just so excited for you to do the next one. Ah, uh, okay. This would be uh, Thursday, November eighth at Serafina in East Lake, the annual St. Martin's Winemaker Dinner. That's where Connie and I met so many years exactly. ago. At six thirty p.m. Uh, this year, they will be spotlighting Italy's Vinalta Winery. And winemaker owner Lucio Gomerio will be on hand. I'm thinking Gomiero. Oh, come on. I did it pretty good. Okay. No. <laughs> Five course dinner with pairings uh, $155 per person, exclusive of tax and gratuity. You see, we made this event so popular, yeah. they've just jacked the price up to where it's out of reach for some people. So many couples go thinking they'll end up together forever. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes yeah. it's just us. Uh, menu items include scallop a la plancha, duck confit risotto, rack of lamb, just had one of those the other yeah. night, yum, almond cake, I know how to make a good one of those. <laughs> hey, if they sell out, you can call me up and we'll do some more up here at my house. <laughs> Uh, you want to make some reservations, you call or you email Kelly at the restaurant. That's SerafinaSeattle.com. Yeah, and that's all in our calendar. Then also Thursday, November 8th, you're going to have to make a choice here. Casper's is doing autumn soup cooking class from 630 to 930. 
So Chef Patty is sharing secrets to delicious soups, stews, and chowders. And she's got stuff like butternut squash, beef stew, chicken tortilla soup, crab chowder, and tomato basil soup. It's $55 per person. Obviously, you make it and eat it. I think she makes it and you eat it. And you can sign up on the Casper's website. And it's only 55 instead of 155 Yeah. So, you know, there's a little difference there. And more action on Thursday, November 8th. It's you got a night. Chateau San Michel wine dinner at Russell's. Well, now I don't understand why they wouldn't have the wine dinner at their own place since they have such a large facility. Because Russell supports winemakers, local well, winemakers, big true. time. He does, and he does a good job of it. It's going to be at yep. 6.30 p.m. out at his, uh, I'm sure this is upstairs in the fantastic barn, right? Probably, yeah. Uh, this is going to be $125 a person, inclusive. That means it includes the tax and gratuity. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, welcome, uh, poor Lou Lux. Poor Lux, sparkling. I don't so when you when you come in, they welcome you with a glass of the Lux sparkling. Ah, the welcome and, pour is Lux yeah. sparkling with caviar on crostini. Didn't say bruschetta, okay? Yeah. Uh, acorn squash soup, pan seared duck, grilled lamb chop. Man, you can get the oh. lamb chop on Thursday night. Filet. Uh, Filet medallions, and they're going to end it up with a plum tart. Yum. That sounds pretty good. So that's all happening at Russell's. You can hit the link off our website. So then you get a little break, and on Saturday, November 10th, there's the Alaskan Brewing Company dinner at Salty's at Redondo Beach from 6 to 8. There's going to be a custom Salty's menu, and that'll be up on the website. I don't think it's up there right now. And it's all paired with the beer. It's 80 per person, excluding tax and grat. They're going to have grilled romaine salad, clams with chorizo, grilled halibut cheeks, braved beef short rib, and a blunt blood orange cake. Yum. And I love to, blood orange cake. Yeah. And you need to call. It says explicitly call for reservations. Oh, good. Yeah, don't try to do that on that open table thing or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday, November 14th, a fundraiser for Northwest Immigrant Rights Project. This is local restaurant folks helping out immigrants. It's their first event. The group is called Together Seattle. There's going to be over 70 restaurants, cafes, bars, coffee shops, and sweet shops that will donate 10% of their profits for that day, November 14th, to the Northwest Immigrant Rights Project. Many establishments will also have donation boxes in place from November 1st through the 15th. NWIRP provides legal representation for protection from deportation, safety from violence, reuniting people with loved ones, and citizenship. You can get to their website from ours at seattledining.com. Then on the 15th, which is Thursday, it's a night of artful pairings at the Chihuly Garden and Glass. That's 6.30 to 9. Wine tastings and food pairings. You can also buy hand-blown glass goblets made from unique designs by local artists. It's $75 plus tax and grat. Wineries that will be there are Avenia, DeLille, Dunham, Goose Ridge, Kevin White, Passing Time, Sparkman Cellars, and Pepper Bridge. And a portion of those proceeds go to Path with Art. You know, I'd pay twice that much if, if Dale Chihuly would roll a cart up to my table with a furnace on it, and blow my <laughs> goblet right there at my table. 
That sounds actually kind of sexual. I don't know. Blow me a goblet, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, Dale's a funny guy. He might hear this and say, come on down, Tom. He might say, that was your idea, dude, and I've been making millions off it for charity ever since. <laughs> All right, Friday, November 16th, the 26th annual Beaujolais Nouveau Wine Festival at the Columbia Tower Club from 7 to 11 p.m. Now, this Beaujolais Nouveau thing started, really, was it only 20? No. Well, this event was 20. This particular one, okay. Uh, This is presented by French American Chamber of Commerce of the Pacific Northwest. When are they going to call us and have us in for some kind of French thing? I don't know. Mm. Uh, Tasting seminars with uh, sommelier Dieter Schaefer. It's one of the largest festivals of its kind in the U.S., close to 500 attendees each year. Admission is is between 75 and 175. Depends if you're general admission, young professionals, VIP. You're going to have to look at the website to figure out where you fit mm-hmm. in. Uh, French wines including Beaujolais Nouveau, the new Beaujolais, <laughs> uh, buffets featuring French-influenced cuisine, live French music, and a silent auction. You know, I'm thinking that maybe we don't get invited to this because they have listened to the show before and heard our French accents and seen how we just butcher French words, and maybe they don't want us to be there. Yeah, and the Beaujolais is from the Gamay grape, by the way. Yeah, I like that, actually, but I've not been a big – I like Gamay wines, but I've not been big on Beaujolais Nouveau particularly. So did I tell you my best Beaujolais Nouveau experience ever? I don't believe it so. It was at Papa Hayden oh, in, in Portland. Portland in the Northwest District. They did a Beaujolais Nouveau release, but it was all Portland Gamay, <gasps> or all, all Willamette Valley Gamay. Oh, but that was delish. It was the best. It, it, it just gave me such an impressive look at what you could really do with yeah. American wine. Well, you know, my family's from California, and as we grew up, we would motor to California and back, you know, Washington, California, back to visit. And there was a French restaurant someplace. I, it's gone now, but I don't even remember where it was. But that was where my parents discovered Gamay. Ah. And we, I, I still have a real soft spot in my heart just because they loved it so much. So, yeah. All right. The last one we're going to talk about today is Thursday, November 29th, and it is at Russell's again. But this is the Avenia Winemaker Dinner. And I don't know if you guys have been to his uh, the Avenia tasting room, but we did a story on on the winemaker and the tasting room and really lovely wines. I mean, I interview a lot of people. I don't always buy stuff, but I took a bottle of home that mm-hmm. night, that afternoon. So the dinner is at 6.30. Again, it's one twenty-five, including tax and grat. They're going to start with a d'Anjou pear and chev tart, grilled lamb chop, pan-seared duck breast, petite filet, and a pomegranate sugared bomboloni with vanilla, custard, and persimmon dipping sauce. I do not know what a bomboloni is. I was going to look that up. The it's a bomboloni. Th- the other thing I think uh, that I wonder about all the time, a lot of the Russell's dinners have the same proteins in them. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, because it gets to be too lengthy, talk about the different sauces. Mm-hmm. So there'll be different um, Recipes, different dishes, actually, even though it's a petite filet or a duck breast or something. Um, so they're always, he's, he's just great at that. 
And I just want to mention to all the lambs listening, you better watch out. Because I heard a lot of lamb coming up on these menus, so yep. you guys, uh, yep. you better run. You cannot hide. The cows are dancing on their back hoofs right now because they're like, no, and you know, we're out. Speaking of lambs, I'm going to just throw out a, a good, awesome comment here to PCC. Uh, the lamb they get is from Umqua Valley Farms down in Oregon, mm-hmm. and we had a rack of lamb from there the other night that was just stunning. It was good. It was delicious, it, and it wasn't gamey, and it was tasty, and you had five of the bones off it, and I had four of them, and it was, oh man, it was awesome. I couldn't finish. And you won't find that on the shelf at PCC. And most grocery stores won't, won't have a rack of lamb on the shelf. But if you go to the butcher and you say, hey, have you got a rack of lamb you can sell me? They, they mm-hmm. might, you know, what they did was they pulled out in front of me uh, an entire rib and a, and a loin. And I said, yeah, that's the one. I didn't take the loin home. But, uh, man, that was delicious. Yeah. Now you wish you took the loin home. So, uh, looks like we're going to take a little break here. When we come back, we're going to have an interview with Lisa Anderson of Foundry Vineyards. In Walla Walla. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, this is Bridget. I live in Ballard, and my favorite restaurant is Monsoon up on Capitol Hill. I'm a sailor. I love the outdoors and all those fresh flavors at Monsoon. Ah. This is Ron Williams from Visit Walla Walla. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. back on the Seattle Dining Show, and um, if you like wine, but you also like art, you're going to want to meet our next guest. Connie, go ahead and tell us who's going to join us here for an interview. We have Lisa Anderson with us from the Foundry Vineyards. Hi, welcome. Hi. Nice to have you here. So I'm just going to start right out and say, how did you go from creating art for clients to making wine? And it was your parents who started this. That's right. So my parents went back, or back in 1980, started the Walla Walla Foundry, which casts art for contemporary sculptors, Mm -hmm. and the artwork is sent all over the world. Mm -hmm. And um, my dad was born and raised here in Walla Walla. And when, a couple years after I was born, my parents purchased a piece of property, and it had 10 acres on it. And so as... um, as Walla Walla grew and more and more vineyards are being planted, my dad saw that, my parents saw that, and um, in 1998, they decided to use part of our property oh. as a vineyard. We consulted with um, some of the experts here and planted Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay. For the first couple of years, we just sold the grapes. Mm-hmm. And then, as creative people do... <laughs> <laughs> um, we wanted to have a go at making wine. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we started 
Our first bottle, first vintage, is from 2003, and it's fully estate. And um, we started with uh, an artist's label, because why wouldn't we? Yeah, we work with sense. we work with artists already in our other at our other company, and so my parents asked the artist Jim Dine to do our first label, mm-hmm. and he agreed, and he actually helped us name ourselves Foundry Vineyards. Oh, we yeah. I think they had come up with a lot of different art related names, and um, Jim just said, "Keep it simple, yeah. Foundry Vineyards. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's what you're known for." So we started with. One bottle of wine with an wow. artist label. And then after that, it just grew. It just grew and grew. Now, the first, uh, on your website, I think it said three and a half acres. Mm-hmm. Have you planted more than mm-hmm. that, or is it still the original three and a half? It's still the original three and a half. Okay. And we source all of our red uh, wine, all of our red grapes from the Walla Walla Valley. Oh, okay. Okay. But you make quite a few wines. It's, it's an amazing amount of wines. And there's whites in there too. Do you get that from Columbia Valley or Yakima Valley? Or? Um, so our current program is that our Chardonnay grapes come from White Salmon Vineyard on the Columbia Gorge. Oh, okay. It's in the Columbia Gorge AVA. And so we get our Chardonnay grapes from there, but all the other grapes, even our other whites like Viognier, mm-hmm. um, come from Walla Walla Valley. Oh, wow. That's great. That's kind of unusual, isn't it? Or is um, it? Maybe it's going more that way. In the beginning, it was like, you know, I can't say there's plenty of wineries that use Columbia Valley or, yeah. you know, surrounding ABAs. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't say with certainty what yeah. the normal program is. That just happens to be our program. Yeah. I think that um, when I first started kind of reading about it, uh, wine in Walla Walla, maybe they hadn't figured out what was going to grow well here or something. So they would use grapes from elsewhere. But as time has gone on, it's mm-hmm. been proven that the Walla Walla grapes are wonderful. That's true. Yep. So, okay. Now, other than the um, labels, how is art incorporated? So at our tasting room, we have a sculpture garden, and we have a contemporary art gallery. So uh, both my brother and I have art backgrounds, mm-hmm. and we both studied art history. I studied business, and he also studied visual arts. And so we curate when um, ask artists to... Uh, come and show in our gallery uh, um, four different times a year. Oh, okay. So we oh, have yeah quarterly art shows. It's really great. So every um, every November, just to tie it back to the winery, mm-hmm. um, every November we do an artist series label that harkens back to the first label you know that we had, yeah. and then we have an art show that corresponds with that artist and the label artwork. Okay. Now. Your job is sales and events for the winery? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little of everything? It's really hard um, when you run a business necessarily to give yourself a title. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my brother and I really run it, and so I do deal with mostly sales and events. Okay. And I also manage our tasting room. Okay. So my brother manages the wine-making side of the business, okay. the winery, um, and the vineyard, and then I manage the sale of the wine. Okay. And does he make the wine, or do you have a winemaker? Um, right now we have a uh, kind of a team making wine, so my brother is acting as winemaker, but we have a consultant winemaker okay. and then another co-winemaker. Okay. Okay. 
I was wondering, I was trying to figure that out from the website. And right. It's like, mm, and then he's called the creative director. But. Yeah, so we have, um, through the course of our winery, um, my dad was really involved in the beginning with mm-hmm. the winemaking, and we've used consulting winemakers, mm-hmm. and and uh, and then we've had two really great winemakers in the past yeah. that have worked for us. And now we're back to it being more in the family, and we've yeah. really been enjoying it. I mean, yeah. we love the creative process of winemaking as well, mm-hmm. um, not just like the creative process of making visual art. So right. it's really, for us, it ties it all together. Yeah. And your brother, Jay, is also a chef, right? That's true. Yes. <laughs> so he had worked in, um, let me see if I, I wrote that down. He'd worked in a couple interesting places in Seattle, like, um, where did I write that? Cafe Campania, mm-hmm. Dahlia Lounge, That's Rovers. Right. Mm-hmm. Those are really wow. fine places, yeah. Yeah, so he started when he graduated high school. He actually, if you've been to White House Crawford here yeah. in town, so he was in high school and thought, I, wanna, I want to cook. Oh. And he did an internship at White House yeah. after it had just opened. Oh, and wow. so then he went to the Seattle Art Institute, got his culinary degree, yeah. and cooked. And oh. while He worked with Dieter then. Oh, maybe so. Dieter Schaefer? Don't know. You'd have to ask Jay. Jay. would know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he started off doing that, and then he cooked while he was went uh, to eat up. Okay. Because I think a, a lot of people in wine also like food, yes. you know, in terms of it's, it's that same creative process and mm-hmm. making something that, you know, you, you visualize and, and then create it. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of cool. Um, let's see. We talked about a lot of things I had questions on already. You've done a great job. Um, what, in in terms of the future winemaking, are you like I said, you do quite a few wines. Are you going to keep increasing that? Are you going to? Are you kind of at the place you want to be? Do you want to do fewer or? So, the range of the number of wines that we do will vary year to year. Hmm. We have really a staple set of wines that we do our Chardonnays. We have two shards that we do every year. Um, a beautiful white blend that we're known call, known for called the white on white. Mm-hmm. And then we have just our real staple ones, a cab, Merlot, and, and Syrah. But we like to experiment with other varietals too, so we interchange different ones. So this year we have a Malbec, but next year we're going to have a Sangiovese oh. or a Cab Franc or a Petit Bordeaux. We really think that... Walla Walla fruit is incredible, and mm-hmm. so we really focus on single varietals, okay. um, a lot of times 100%, so that you can really see um, the fruit shine through our yeah. wines. And so that will remain the same, but we also like to experiment. We're experimenting mm-hmm. with um, what's called a pet nat right now, which is a sparkling wine. Oh. It's a single fermentation. I'm sorry. Yeah, single. Yes. Fermentation instead of a double fermentation. Oh, okay. That would be the champagne method. Oh, okay. Um, so we have a we have a really good time in the winery. Yeah, that's <laughs> but well. Fun. I think we would make about eleven different wines a year. Wow. It really depends. Nine to eleven, maybe. Okay. Is it when you're changing it up like uh, Malbec this year and um, Sangiovese next year? Is it hard to get grapes because you haven't, or have you? Are you planning out so far that uh, we're planning? So yeah. um, when I actually I said Sangio. That's actually in 2019. Oh, so, okay. And that was two years ago we harvested. Right? Oh, okay. So, so. Um, there's plenty of years between, so we have lots of planning time. Yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty fun. And sort getting those vineyard contracts and 
you get to meet new people, other, you know, and there's more and more people in town that are grow that are starting newer vineyards. And our vineyard's yeah. 20 years old, so obviously we love source we source specifically from ours, but um, it's fun to work with new, oh, new yeah. vineyards too. Yeah, and you never know what you're gonna mm-hmm. stumble across. That oh, this is it. Oh, we are getting this Syrah from this vineyard called Los Oidos, oh. and we're making a hundred percent, you know. Reds, just a Syrah, but we're also making a Syrah rose out of it. Ooh. And I live at the winery right now. My house is there. Oh, okay. I'll just walk over and say, "Can I have some of that rose? It's not in, it's not in bottle yet. It's uh-huh. in barrel. It's so good. I just want them to like refill my glass. <laughs> <laughs> just walk over. Hey, can I have another barrel sample? <laughs> just testing. <laughs> it's it's work work related. <laughs> yeah. It's the Beaujolais rose. Yes. <laughs> Well, what are you looking for personally in the future? How is your role going to pan out? Kind of stay the same? or? Yeah, you know what? I really love my job, and I can say that with all honesty. Yeah. I studied, like I said, I studied art history, and I studied business, and I really get the best of both worlds. I get to curate art shows, but I also get to sell amazing wine but really for me and my dad and parents both instilled this in me is the love for my town Mm -hmm. in Walla Walla and giving back and so really um, our winery is a way to do that Mm -hmm. we get to give back in our art shows by bringing the international artists to town Mm -hmm. Um, but we also get to share um, just our experience and general love overall with all the with all the customers that come in so there's nothing, I guess, huge changes mm-hmm. on the horizon besides just trying to... Keep up? Keep up, yeah. <laughs> Walla Walla is growing, and yeah. we have more and more people coming in every day. Yeah. And you've done... Um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, your, part of your art history studies were in Paris. That's right. So the fact that you want to come back and you love your town is pretty great. It's a great place. I mean, Paris is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great... It's a great place to keep visiting and going back and getting inspiration and mm-hmm. um but Walla Walla has every everything that I want in a place yeah. to settle down so yeah and the perfect job and the perfect job <laughs> what's the one thing you would want people to know about the winery the wine or the winery quality is really important to mm-hmm. us the quality of our customer service to the quality of our wines to the quality of our art shows So when you come to visit us, you're going to get a full experience, really, of art plus wine. Now we have a design store. Oh, wow. And um, it's really just this whole experience. You can come, bring a snack, sit outside, drink some wine, enjoy some art. You're going to get a real great cultural experience Mm -hmm. with a side of wine. (laughs) With a side of wine. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. This is really a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We'll be out to check out the tasting room. Awesome. Thank you. You bet. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll be right back. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by the Paragon Bar and Grill, your Upper Queen Anne destination for lunch, teeny time, evening entertainment, and weekend brunch. For two decades, the Paragon has served as the go-to neighborhood location while welcoming others from all over the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Visit them online today at ParagonSeattle.com. 
Hi, this is Kim Jones with the Washington Beer Blog. When we go out to eat, we like to go to Schooner Exact Brewing. They have an elevated menu for a brew pub and a great selection of locally brewed beers on tap. Hello, this is Jeff Green from B&E Meats and Seafood, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Lisa Anderson for doing that interview with us, and uh, we're here at the end of the show, but of course we never want to leave you without some good tips and tricks, and uh, I don't know what this, is, what, what this one you have is going to be about, but we're about to find out. You're about to find out, and uh, I know that I'm not the only one who does this, uh, but I wanted to talk about recovering from your cooking errors. Um, last night I made a Chili pretty good recipe. chili. It was pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really glad it was pretty good because I did a number of things wrong. I halved it for one, and I halved everything, and then it got to down to putting six and a half cups of water in, and I did. Oops. Instead of three. Oops. And I only put six in because I had some extra tomato juice from the tomatoes, so I figured that was – but, you know, it was pretty runny. And so I was like, hmm. And then as I was reading through the recipe, it said, put the onions in. Well – in under ingredients, they didn't list onions. Mm-hmm. So I, I did have a half an onion in my refrigerator, so I added that. Um, and then I did something. Oh, then I decided after it, it was in the slow cooker, and it was going for a long time, but, man, it was not thickening up because of all that water. Well, the water couldn't get out. Yeah. So I went in, and I added one of those small cans of organic tomato paste. Mm-hmm. So that did thicken it up. And then when you arrived... You said, well, why don't you take about a cup out and put it in the food processor so it thickens up and then throw that back in. Yeah, it's a nice thickener. Yeah, so I did that, and that between those two things, it actually came out okay. We're going to play with the recipe. We both liked it. Um, and the other thing that was kind of fun, it called for small red beans and dried since you're going to cook it all day. You, know, mm-hmm. you don't have to soak them. But when I went to the Ballard Market to look at beans in the bulk section, mm-hmm. they had a mix that they called chili bean mix. So it was red, kidney, yeah. black, and something else. It was all organic beans. No, they were non-GMO. Oh, they were not. Oh, okay, non-GMO. non-GMO. Okay. Um, they did have some organic beans, but this I just was taken with this whole chili mix. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's kind of fun to play around, and I think my lesson here is that I often feel like, oh, my God, I have so screwed this up. Throw it out. But we recovered that, and that it was good. pretty good. So, good. you know, don't give up. And then I think we're going to take that recipe, and we're going to retype it up in the proper portions and continue to finesse it instead of just saying, well, that didn't work out. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, good tip. And by the way, I will give credit to the Hot Stove Society. That is where I learned to do the thickening. Oh, I wondered about that. Yeah. Some people there already knew that trick, but I learned it from, uh, I don't think it was Bridget, but it was uh, the the guy chef. Yeah. Anyways, got to give credit where credit's due. Exactly. That's why you take cooking classes. You get these little tips. Yeah. That make a difference. Exactly. And you know. 
this is a great time of year to take a cooking class. So that that's not my tip. <laughs> um, so my tip is uh, this is a great time of year to make chicken stock. You need to make the chicken stocks or the vegetable stocks. Uh, I, I I've been making turkey stock lately just because the backs are bigger. Oh yeah. Um, and but there's so, a big difference. I have to say, in flavor, you yeah. know it's turkey. It's a little heartier. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, when you make your chicken stock, normally you'll pour that off into two cup containers and freeze it. But uh, take an ice tray, small silicone ice tray with like sixteen to twenty different positions in it. They're usually two tablespoons per cube. And pour some chicken stock into that and freeze that as well. That way, when you have a recipe that calls for a half a cup of chicken stock, you can grab four of those cubes and you've got a half a cup. Yeah. And I have a lot of recipes that call for two tablespoons. Yeah, exactly. Know. So two tablespoons, a quarter cup, a half a cup, even a whole cup. Um, you're in business without having to tuck the rest of that chicken stock away into the refrigerator. And not use it. Let it go. And if for some reason you've gone through all those cubes, go ahead and thaw down a um, a two-cup container and use what you need and then pour the rest of that into a uh, back into that ice tray. That's okay to thaw and refreeze? Well, I think as long as you keep it from going over 45 oh, okay. or whatever, you're probably okay. Okay. Because so. if it's frozen, you got to get it to the point you can pour it. Yeah, but that's 33. Okay. So. Okay. All right. I don't know. Maybe a doctor will email us and tell yeah. us we're out of Are our minds. Are you trying to kill people? <laughs> um, and I know this is something we have said before on other shows, but. Doing your own, making your own chicken stock or turkey stock, it makes a difference in the flavor of the dish. It just does. And you know what? Um, When you put your veggies in, I know I love carrots and I love celery and I love onions, but don't overdo it. Don't just because you like all those flavors, don't overdo it. Let the water be still the primary factor. All you're doing is you're flavoring the water. You're not overloading it with mm-hmm. additional flavors for the meal you're making. Yeah, that's the thing. You you want it to be a base for something not to fight with what you're making. Dang, a little bonus tip today. Yeah, boy, we can not, just not stop ourselves. Well, it is time to wrap up. Thank you so much for joining us on the show again this month. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. We want you to dine safe, we want you to dine well, we want you to dine at home, and we want you to dine out often. We will see you on the December show. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media. It may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.